it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, and how to get your work noticed and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you as well as a few of my own and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, maybe your paint water, a glass of wine, and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Thank you so much for showing up here at the windowsill with me. I'm super glad you're here. And I have a great one today. This is, I think I've only done this one time before. We had two different people on at the same time. And this is really fun because it's two artists that are collaborating on a little project together who met each other online. One is Lee Stanley, who owns Curly Girl Cards. And she discovered my other guest, Aaron Drews, online just kind of, you know, down a rabbit hole and fell crazy in love with Aaron's work, which you will as well, and figured out a way to start a conversation and say, let's collaborate on this idea. The two of them are absolute forces of nature. And it's also really fun to talk to them because they have a similar sense of humor. As you'll hear in our chat, Aaron knew who Lee was for a long time because people used to give Aaron Lee's cards, the curly girl cards and say, she reminds me of you. So I think it was fated long before it actually happened, but I'm sure glad it did. So let me tell you a little bit about each of them. I'll start with Lee. Lee is the founder and creative director and boss of Curly Girl Design. And Curly Girl is a card line that's been around for going on 25 years. Lee was born and raised in St. Louis, and she began designing in seventh grade, where she got poor marks in math for doodling. I can totally relate to that. She went on to attend University of Kansas School of Design and holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Visual Communications. Lee enjoys traveling, old movies, and singing She is passionate about storytelling, nerdy about grammar, committed to social justice, engaged in spiritual thinking, invested in public education, and I will add to that clean beauty because I've learned a lot from her about that. And she's all about general togetherness. She is one of my dearest friends, and I'm glad to have her on again. I think she's episode 13 in the way back. And a little bit about curly girl design. Curly Girl serves up cleverness daily, as they say, in a variety of big-hearted greeting cards, gifts, decor, and accessories. Their designs embrace the magic of small moments and bring heartfelt and encouraging messages that celebrate, soothe, and inspire. Curly Girl is a small business, like four people small, and strives to be a force for positive change by inspiring us all to connect. And I'll tell you what, Lee is a fantastic artist, a wonderful connector, and a beautiful friend. My mom gave me one of her cards recently. I just love it when this happens. Here's what it says. It's got kind of scribbledy polka dots on the front, and it 
looks like, I don't know, wax pastel or, or really juicy polka dots. And then that cut out heart in the middle. And it says, the great thing is, once we let go of being everything, we have the opportunity to be gloriously ourselves. And Lee is a writer of good words as well. So now a little bit about Aaron. So <laughs> you'll hear this, but the first time I saw Aaron's works is when I walked into Lee's house and there it was on the wall. I was like, what? is that. And she was like, I oh, know, it's so good, right? And then she went and showed me all the other work she had gotten from her, which means like there's none for sale on her site right now, which she's that popular. It sells very quickly. It's delish. I love it so much. Erin is a Michigan-based artist. She's inspired by nature as well and favism. She loves using color to create visual excitement and play, most typically through the subject of flowers. Botanical forms drive her work and her beautiful home, her imagination, her wardrobe, and her life. So you see where some similarities exist already. Erin's been described as pink lemonade with a shot of whiskey, which I stinking love. And when she's not creating, you can find her laughing, connecting, collecting art, immersing herself in nature, and enjoying the people she loves. Here is a little bit more context because Erin is involved in some really cool stuff, which we talk about. Erin has a BA in art history from Hope College with minors in communication and studio art. She also has an MA in theology from Western Theological Seminary and is fascinated by the intersection of the creative act and faith and spirituality. After graduating, she worked primarily for two different arts nonprofits as an art education program developer and taught elementary art for a year. She now works full-time at Hope College with a scholarship program that sounds amazing called Hope Forward, which focuses on increasing access to higher education through an innovative pay-it-forward funding model of tuition. So I'll let you take that in and we talk about it some more, but she's doing kind of groundbreaking, crazy cool things with changing how we look at paying for education and who gets the opportunity to be there. So all that. And she's a fantastic artist as well. You can find Erin because you're going to want to go look her up as soon as we start talking. I promise at erindrewsart.com. E-R-I-N-D-R-E-W-S-A-R-T.com. Or here's her clever Instagram, Drews underscore Barrymore. Yep. Go find her there. And here is where you can find Lee. Go check out her Curly Girl Design website at curlygirldesign.com and her delicious Instagrams at curlygirldesign and then the more kind of personal and then one I need to look at every day because she's always posting something interesting at lee.standley and that's s-t-a-n-d-l-e-y l-e-i-g-h dot s-t-a-n-d-l-e-y all right enough chitter chatter from me here is this fascinating conversation with these two newly minted friends doing a collaboration that you are going to want a piece of well thanks both of you for being here Aaron and Lee, I, I was trying to remember if I'd had a podcast with two guests, but no time like the present. Trailblazing. At all times. <laughs> so I have in-house two fabulous artists who I thought it would be really fun to have on because we can talk about collaborating and what you two have going on. So Aaron, the first time I saw your work, I walked into Lee's house, who lives in St. Louis, so I get to visit her when I go there, and I you kind of go through the door and there's a living room and then there's this alcove into the hallway and your piece is right through that door. And I was just like, nice to see you. Whose work is this? It's amazing. There's something about your line, your color, just 
everything about it is, is gorgeous. So nice to meet you in person or sort of in person. Yeah. It's good to be here. So Lee, how did you find Aaron? I found Aaron. I don't know. I found Aaron on maybe on the internet. I mean, it had to have been like a click through somebody, something, one of those things. And I just was like gobsmacked everything. I got, I got like goosebumps in my body. And I was like this, I just am obsessed. And I bought, I think I bought a piece or I messaged you about a piece or something. And you got right back to me. We got, we just got, I I think I bought three or four of your paintings before we got to talking. And then I, they just, people would come into my house and they would be like, Oh, when did you do this? And I was like, Oh, that's not me. And they're like, seriously, it looks just like something you would, that looks like your brain. And I was like, yeah, but I couldn't do that. Like, that's just not my skill level. And they're like, wow, how did you find this person? And it was the reflection of other people sort of putting that sort of marriage together. And I was like, yeah, no, I like everything she does. And I don't, couldn't remember. I mean, I have a lot of artist friends and I couldn't remember a time I had um, gone sort of full bore into somebody's work like that. Um, and then, you know, sat bolt upright one night and I was like, we need to work together. And it sounded crazy. So I thought I'd do it. That's the best way. So now that everybody has stopped the podcast to go look at your work, Aaron, and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have to listen to more. I would love to know a little bit about you. And then Lee, we'll, we'll do a refresh too, since you haven't been on the podcast since episode 13. Aaron, your creative background, have you always known you wanted to paint? Has, has this just been part of you forever? Pretty much. I would say pretty much. And then I would say I've always been doing other things. Mm. So, um, and even right now, my painting is something I do on the side for fun. Like I have, I work full time mm-hmm. outside of it, but for me, it's always been this, this escape sort of this like mistress <laughs> that mm-hmm. is, is like where I go, um, when I need refuge or when I need to think, or when I need to process or when I need to play or discover or listen, mm-hmm. um, kind of away from other things. And it was like that even as a kid. So I had a grandmother who was a um, professors of professor of fibers and textiles at Notre Dame Oh wow! Um, and was an artist herself. Um, and so from a very young age, I was creating in her studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned to, to sew at a really young age. I made my first quilt at, a, at I think age seven. Um, wow. We were like hand dyeing silk and using cyanotypes when I was, you know, in third grade. And, um, each year for Christmas, she would get me art supplies. Nice. And in the afternoon, my family is like a big alone together family. Like Mm. we do a lot together, but we mostly just exist in the same space, which is how I like it. Love that. Um, And on Christmas afternoon, it's like everyone, like morning was this rush of everyone together. And then afternoon was everyone exploring what they'd gotten. And for me, it was always like, high tailing up to the studio, um, in my grandma's house on Christmas day with whatever art supplies she'd gotten me. And it was my, my, my 14th year of life. Um, I got my first set of like professional grade acrylic paints and it just took off from there. Um, so I, yeah, I've always been creating, I studied studio art and art history in college. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and 
have just sort of been on my own journey since then. Um, but yeah, I broke a lot of rules in college. My professors kind of at some, at certain points thought my work was too trite or folksy and it maybe mm. even like lacked concept or depth. Um, but it was funny. I was a scholarship holder and there were four per year and we, we had to show 25 outside of class pieces a year. Um, and it would get, we'd get critiqued, you know, and I just remember, (laughs) I don't mean to bash high concept artists. I love high concept art, but there was this other student who had like painted her body completely blue and was like running into the wall and like doing like all this to talk about like the commodification, commodification of the female body. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Worthy concept. Worthy. Did you say there's always one? There's always one. And there's always one girl that like saves her menstrual blood. Yeah, 100% probably wearing her menstrual blood around her neck while like <laughs> running this wall with paint. And I just remember this moment where I saw this like dash on a piece of paper during the critique. And I go, what it, can I ask what that is? And she goes, it's my forearm. Like I was the <laughs> stupidest person in the world. <laughs> and we got to my critique and I had more work than anybody, but it was all like plants and flowers. And someone was like, what's your reason behind this? And I go, I don't like have one. I just like to make them. And that was really upsetting to my professors. And I said, well, I'm not going to paint my body and pretend to have an idea. And then I got in trouble, (laughs) but it was, it was true. I just have always liked the joy of the creative act. And that's, I know that was a long-winded answer to who am I, but that's Michelle. That is exactly what I was looking for. I mean, I, um, Lee knows this too. Realness might be my word of the year. Not that I really want a word, word of the year, but a couple of weeks ago, I had two podcast episodes with Sarah Walsh and, and I have had such great response to those because people are like, you pulled back. You didn't just pull back the curtain. Like, oh, here's the behind the scenes. It was like, no, here's, here's yeah. how I really feel. Here's yeah. how I really feel. So I I love that too. You're reminding me of my college. I think it was an interior design class, and and we, granted, I did it a little bit wrong because he he we had these plans for this house. This uh, I think it was a condo in San Francisco or something, and and we had these pieces we were supposed to like a Noguchi coffee table. Like it was all these like kind of mid century classic pieces, and I was into way more folk arty kind of um super painterly kind of pieces and so I just like stuck the Noguchi coffee table in the corner and put my stuff in the house you know and I loved how it looked it was the home that I at that time I wanted to live in but he was like no you're supposed to be painting yourself blue and throwing it at the wall yeah I feel like art school could be one big Portlandia sketch Oh my God. We've had this conversation. I have such a similar story from college where I failed. I was failed. I failed my photography class because I took beautiful pictures and they weren't politically engaging. You know, they weren't making a statement. And now, you know, sort of, I understand that from his perspective more as a adult than I did as a young person, but, um, it wasn't really necessary to fail me because I like to be, I was like, I'm in the graphic <laughs> design program. You know that, right? Like, <laughs> not a journalist, but I had to take it twice. Yeah. My two C's in college were statistics and sculpture. 
but yet you're you're making work that's so it's saleable. It's interesting. It, I think there's that point where we find our niche and Lee, you've certainly done this and I'd love to circle back to that. It's, you know, for someone that knew what you wanted to do and tried to place yourself in a company to hire you and that didn't really work. So can we have a little, little summary of, of you? And I'd like to also kind of talk to you guys both about where you are now in your, in your journey. Cause I, I know that's, ever shifting for all of us. But anyway, Lee, Lee Stanley, who are you? I, I'm a greeting card designer and I own a company called Curly Girl Design. I've been in business for 20 years plus. And, um, basically it's been just one giant self-publishing exercise. I tried to work for other people. I tried to do other things. I did not want to run my own company, but it ended up sort of giving birth to itself in a way. And thank goodness, because it's been such a fun, fun job. It's not for everybody. It's, you know, it's one of those things that it has been for enough people that has made a dent um, and certainly made me have the gift of being able to publish what I want and what I think the world needs and tell stories um, in a way that I think is meaningful and hopefully a service to people. 20 years in, I I mean, this, this collaboration though, like full disclosure, and we can talk about this later. It's not like off the blocks yet in no small part, because my business has changed so dramatically since the pandemic. And for other reasons that I'm waiting sort of till there's a like really robust moment for it. It's not far off, but it's, (laughs) it's, um, it's been a time it's been a, it's been an interesting transition. And, um, I am trying to find my footing in a different season of my life and a different season of my business. And as an artist looking to do things to this collaboration and working and getting to know Aaron and, and meeting a couple other people in this season of my life has made me crave working with people. It's been a long time that I've worked. I've worked with people. I've built companies, but it's a, it's a lot of aloneness and, and my art while not lonely um, has been a very like, me focused slash responsibility on me focused endeavor. And I'm trying to find the joy in it again and working, Mm -hmm. like following the things that I love always usually results in joy in some way. And so, you know, like going bananas over Aaron's Instagram feed was like, okay, we're going to hit the joy button and we're going to just see how it goes. So, you know, the jury's still out. I don't know what it looks like, but I am in a transition season and I'm not, I don't think I'm the only one, but it is just, yeah. Like refiguring out what I do creatively and how it's relevant and making sure that it's still in service to me and in service to the world um, in a way that makes me feel like it's worth doing. So I think there's some really important things to unpack there. And I think both of you probably being in potentially different places in your creative path, but yet sharing similarities of, gosh, when I'm creating, I'm often creating by myself. And I think many people are that way. So the possibility even to connect with somebody that you have a like mind with, like you were saying the first time you talked, you know, you talk for on and on and forever. And I find that sometimes even with these conversations, I could just keep going because we we hit on something that strikes a chord. And, and there is that. I mean, I think as humans, a gift to ourselves is reinvention. We we tend to, Lino's, I'm in a place where I've like, I got some work to do. And I've been 
I wouldn't say I've been avoiding it. I would say I've been ignoring the fact that it needed to have like, oh, I'll just put that over there. Like not, not mindfully, but just not realizing that for years I've just been putting like cotton lining on it all and being just like, oh, just cover that, cover that, cover that, cover that. And then you don't remember, don't realize it's in there. And then when you start to think like, how do I want want to reinvent? Or do I want to look at my art more? Do I want to pull that in the forefront more? Or do I have anything else I need to look at? It's like, when you figure that out on your own and you're in your studio all day by yourself, it's like, ah, what do I do about this? But even these conversations or a collaboration or a meeting new friends, like you said, Lee, or whatever it is, is it's a life path we're on. And, and so what are the, those things that we can find to, to spark some joy around? And often it's for me and for those of us who are visual, it's seeing something or connecting with your words, Lee, or whatever that is, that's like, oh, that's just what I needed right now. It's interesting because Aaron, when I saw your work for the first time and I went online and I was like, okay, I could own every one of these. The same thing happened when I saw Lee's work for the first time. I'll, she's heard this story a million times, but I will never forget where I was and spinning that rack around. I mean, like, who is this? What is happening? Every single one of these speaks to me. I'm buying every single one. And that, that just doesn't happen very often. And um, so I love that the two of you are aligned in whatever way that you are. I think we spend a lot of time over-functioning and talking to Aaron. Well, first of all, there's a part of me that's like, I wish when I was where Aaron is in her career and in her life that I, I knew a person like Margot, you know, it's like I had, you know, I, I was a little further up flight than when I met you, Margot, but there was, there's a really sweet, like so many ways, you know, it's like when you have a, like my daughter who was going to be like 7,000 times better than I am at everything. And she was just born at a certain, you know, place, but it's fun to see yourself in somebody. And not that I see myself in Aaron, but I do recognize a place that she's in. And I get so joyful and so giddy about, you know, talking to her and hearing what she's, you know, going through and learning. And, you know, I'm sitting here listening to her tell me about how all the work she does, that's not this. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. (laughs) For now. Um, And I'm trying not to spoil the ending because it's so fun. You know, it's like, I just, I have such a great, there's just such good energy and such good flow there for her. Um, And it's just sitting in front of her and that's so, so fun. And I don't ever want to be so old and grumpy about the work that I do that I can't pass on the joy of it too. Yeah. The, the, the beautiful thing about when Lee reached out to me, I like immediately knew who she was, but I was trying not to make a big deal about it to myself because I, um, I similar to like Lee, the experience of your friends walking into your home and saying, Oh, did you make this? I, for years had people buying me her cards. Mm -hmm. I, for years had people like, I remember graduating college and getting like three of them. And it's because they they reminded people of me. Right. And so, and I've bought them and I've seen them in Charleston and in California and, and, you know, like, so I, I'm, I was very familiar. Um, and I think Lee, like you, you, for the big piece that Margot saw, you'd commissioned me for that one. And I remember like 
when it was like all done, I was like, and by the way, I've admired your work for a really long time or something. I like said something. I was like, play it cool, Drews, play it cool, Drews. <laughs> but I just, I really do think that there's this like excitement and energy um, between, between Lee and I creatively um, and just like as people, we like, we get along. And yeah, we, we, we've kind of got a few ideas on the horizon, but I, I'm reading this book right now with my wonderful partner. It's called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. It's by Rick Rubin, the like music producer. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's super interesting. And he has a chapter about awareness. And he talks a lot about how we're vessels. And if we're like present to the world, like ideas are are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. Like the creative act is happening all the time. And it, it like, just, if, if it's not going to work through you, it's going to like come out some way it's going to come out sideways in, in some other place. Right. And so it's just fun because like, I feel like, and Lee, I think you would agree. Like we've been talking for a while about what this could look like and timeline and, and it's shifted, but we've been okay with the shifts. Cause like you, I'm also in like a really like season of newness. And I just like have this trust and like faith that the the idea will be birthed at the right time between you and me. And, and it's like really fun to know someone who I feel like is like a cre- creatively a kindred spirit, because knowing that whatever, what, when that happens and what it looks like is just going to be good because there's like a rapport there. Um, and when there's a rapport, that's a great vessel for the world to be using um, that like multiplies the joy that we're talking about. And I think that is why collaboration is so valuable. I love that. The multiplication of the joy. And it's not always like that. Like it really, I think it does depend on energetic match, but that thing that you're talking about, like the vessel thing, I think Liz Gilbert talks about that in big magic too, where she's like, it's a muse. And if it's not you, it's going to be some other open door. And your job is to sort of be open to it. And we're not always open to it. We can't always be, I think when you are always open to it, like you end up in like night terrors, (laughs) there are like literal people who can't close the door, but being in a certain mind, I think lends itself to that. I'm in the process of digesting an adult ADHD diagnosis, which I have known in my body for some years now, but I was talking to my therapist and I was like, he was talking about medication options and I'm nervous about that. Although I know both sides of it and I'm open to all sorts of things, but we're talking about it. And I said, listen, I have a 5d brain. (laughs) I was like, I do not want to kill that. And I do not want to mute that or dumb it down. Like maybe like Wednesdays so that I could get like a spreadsheet done. Like, is there something to that? Like, is there like a Wednesday pill that I could take so that like (laughs) mama can make a spreadsheet? Like that is it. Like, I do not want to be in the world. Yeah. Organizational Wednesdays. I just want to not like fuck everything up. Excuse me. But I think we also recognize those people too. Like I, I think I surround myself with linear thinkers and that's very, very practical for business and has gotten me very far. Um, And I'm sure all of those people that have worked with me are listening to this and being like, oh, ding, ding, ding. We could have told you that, but it's creatively not as fun. It's fun to work with the 5D thinker. Well, and I wonder about the art that you both do and because 
you know, Aaron, you mentioned that some of your collections were born out of mental health stuff and, and things like that. And whatever it is, I think if we're passionately creative people, we're some sort of lens has a crystal shine to it. You know, there's something going on there that that makes us look at things differently. And whatever it is, how do we channel it? How do we hold on to it or not? How do we talk about it, which is new also? And I think, I mean, to your point, uh, there there haven't been the people, as many women doing research for women and potentially men weren't worried about that so, as much as maybe we're thinking about it in a different way. But Aaron, when you hear Lee talk about that and you think about your own path, yeah, what comes up? I have been wondering myself about if quite seriously the last year specifically should look into seeing if I have ADHD or ADD. I don't fully understand or know a lot about it, but my partner has it and has navigated life medicated versus non-medicated and sort of the benefits of both and the setbacks of both. And his, his journey with it is his, but like, he's even pointed out like, yeah, I think there might be something, something there, but I'm with you, Lee. Like I sometimes have felt like as a kid, I, I would feel so much and think so much and like, be like this little ball of energy. Like my friends joke that I'm like the energizer bunny. Like someone once said, you are like pink lemonade with a shot of whiskey. Like you, you are just high color, high feel, high everything all the time. And like, I'm grabbing onto everything in the world, every color, every sensation, everything. And I've wondered, you know, is some of that Aaron is some of that distraction is some of that trauma because it could be all three. Like there's some unique, unique things at play too, just in my own personal history that I know I'm certain contribute to some of that, but I'm, I'm with Lee. I'm like, it's this double-edged sword, right? Where I'm like, well, shit, I have insomnia. I can't sleep 90% of the time. Or like my information overload and intake and sensory intake is so high all the time. But if I didn't have that brain, would I be making what I make? Would I be able to do as many things as I do? Would my home look like this? And I love the way my home looks, you know? So yeah, as you're talking, Lee, I'm just thinking like, yeah, I'm a great ideator and a great converger of ideas, but I'm the same. Sometimes I'm like, man, I've got a million planes flying and only a few are landing. And art is the one place where I feel like I'm landing. The business side is a lot harder for me. The marketing side's a lot harder for me, which is funny because some of that tactical follow through in my like profession outside of art is fine. But I think like if I don't have some sort of parameter or motivator, I really struggle on my own to land those planes. And I think especially thinking about the underdiagnosis of women for ADHD, I have wondered in my 30s, because I've noticed it more in my late 20s and 30s than ever, but I always really like had just a lot of, I don't even want to say trouble focusing. It's almost like I hyper-focus on too much all at once. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's not trouble focusing. I think that's a misconception. It's that like, I'm focused on this, Mm. then I'm focused on this, then I'm focused on this and I'm taking it all in and I'm outputting it either as a joke (laughs) or as a piece of art, or I'm writing something. Um, and I, I don't want to be a different (laughs) me. I like that about my brain. I like that about Lee's brain. I like that, but, but it, but in a world that's not set up for brains like that. Yeah. That's the thing I think is so lonely sometimes. 
and And diagnosis, I think diagnosis too, is like just information. And like, it just helps me be like, okay, I don't, I'm not crazy. I'm just living in uh, this world, but I'm this and that's fine. I can do that. I can do that. And my mom, my mom said to me, she goes, will you please stop starting things? You know, and I, you know, I know what she's saying and I'm like, yeah, sure. Sure. Totally. And then of course that space gets filled. Yeah. It's I've always described mine and I'm undiagnosed, but self, you know, whatever, what curious, right. I I had a showroom for a long time or this take any project, but I'll just describe it in the showroom. And I I'm circular in, in my thing. So I'm thing, shiny things. It's like you said, I'm focusing until I see that. And then I'm focusing on that. And then I'm focusing on that. And so eventually that circle, that whirlpool ends up in the middle and it's all done. It's all done. But somebody linear comes in with their list and it's like, I'm just going to check the things off my list. And I'm, I'm like, it's getting all done, but one thing is leading me to another thought about that thing over there. And then it might get done in a whole different way. Cause I didn't have a list of things that I had to check off. I let it flow, you know, and that's just, I don't know how my brain works, but I know it's <laughs> can drive people a little crazy. So Aaron, I'm curious as to, I think you're prolific just from looking at the wall behind you. Do you ever feel like you want to make your art, your business? I don't know. It's really funny. So this actually is not all mine. This is like, I I pull up so you can see there's a few, I'm like stupid prolific and I'm not, I don't even need to like apologetically pretend I'm not like, I think last year I made 230 pieces. Like it's stupid. And I'm aware by comparison, I made 20. It's kind of insane. And I'm aware of that. And I have thought about it. My, my sweet stoic German practical father actually sat me down. So some context about my life outside of art. I work full-time for my alma mater, Hope College. I work with um, a program called Hope Forward. It's a scholarship program um, that's a unique funding model that I could totally get into because I'm super passionate about it. But it's an incredible thing about access and yeah, generous, built on generosity, community, accessibility. It's a great job. But I also work for the college in residential life and education as a resident director. So I have this like beautiful huge apartment in a residential hall built in 1963. And it's just like all, I have no living costs. So in addition to like my salary and like I work full time, I have not, I don't pay for my food. I don't pay for my home. So I have this like really unique opportunity. And my dad sat me down and said, I just, I think you should, you could maybe make your art a business because you I know because you don't have expenses and this and that. And I know you, know, you love what you, you do outside of it, but I think, I think you could do that if you wanted to. And I've had people tell me that, and I've gone back and forth because like, I love to paint. I love to make, um, but what I love about it right now, and here's where I'm at a spot where I'm not willing or ready, I guess, is that if I, if I sell a painting, it's just joyful. It's like that thing found a home. I have a little extra money to buy more art, right? Right. right? I don't have to depend on it. And I'm worried about the day. If I depend on it, will I begin to hate it? Because for me, it's always been this thing that's just been free flowing and fun. And then in the past few years, it has brought in income, which is incredible. But if I was like, 
truly tracking that and true, like I track it, but very loosely, I won't lie to you. Like if I was truly doing it, would it stress me out? And would I begin to hate my craft? Because right now I'm so in love with my craft. And it's this thing. I, I wonder, I actually wonder if that prolificism would go down, right? Like right now, I'd, of course, I'd have more time, but I wonder if the vessel would change. And it probably would. And I'm, I've thought, man, that would be great. I've also thought, man, that sounds hard. And I bet both are true. And so my answer right now at this juncture of life is, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want want it to be a full business. I think I'd like to continue to be curious about it. I think that's my approach with most things is like, I don't know, let me wonder. And I think that's kind of where I'm at right now (laughs) because I'm I'm also not in a space where I don't like my my current professional situation. I really, I actually really love it. So it's hard. We live in a world too, that doesn't accept that as an answer. And let me wonder on it is such a great, such a great, like grown up, like things you wish you knew when you were your age and you already know it. And it's so smart because you're right. All of those things are correct. Yeah. There's many people nodding their heads to what you just said. Yeah, it's correct. And I always say, people ask me all the time about starting a business from their art. And I'm like, if you don't have to do it don't do it. And it's not because I hate it. Like I love it. It's the only way it could have worked for me. Turns out I liked running a business in a lot of ways, but there are a lot of different ways to do it now that you don't have to do it a hundred percent. You know, like you can wonder, you can do projects, you can wait for things to come and there will be a tipping point too, like where you'll know. Mm-hmm. But that's such a great answer. Like we don't, we don't take, that's not one of the check boxes. No, that should be one of the check boxes. Well, and one of my, I, I know I've mentioned him a few times. I just also have a really great partner. I'm, I'm not a great wanderer or surrenderer, but one time we were, we were driving and he asked me a question and I was like struggling to come up with an answer. And he just like listened to me, talk my way through it, puts his hand on my hand and says, my favorite words to hear you say are, I don't know, because I really like wondering with you. And if you're feeling pressure to have an answer, I wasn't asking for an answer. I like, I really like wondering with you. Hmm. And that like, that moment has like shaped my last like five months <laughs> because it, I'm like, you know what, you're right. And I've gotten a lot better at work and in my life saying, I don't know. Oh. We're not, we're not told we're allowed to say, I don't know, but I just remember that, like, I like wondering with you. And I think when we say, I don't know, we let people wonder with us Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can't, yeah, I can't answer. Um, if I, if I want it to be my business or not, I think like Lee said, there'd be a tipping point and I would know. And I think I will know at some point. I think the other thing that scares me is like some Sometimes I've put out series that I really like and they don't sell. Mm -hmm. Like I know I've kind of like worked out this formula of like what people like, (laughs) and I'll put out a series that I'm like, I am psyched. Like I had one uh, this summer called Flora Folk. And I was like, super pumped about it was like, this is going to be a big launch. There are like 40 works in it and six sold. Mm. That's very different than my other stuff, but it was the thing that creatively I was the most excited about all year. And it's just crazy to me. I'm like, oh, that didn't land. But for me, creatively, it landed. And that's important. They're all listed. They're all listed as out of stock now, because what I ended up doing was just giving them in mass as gifts, 
like mm-hmm. <laughs> because people weren't buying them. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So it's also this like I'm scared of making it a business because I worry if I'll lose my my sort of creative courage. Um, because right now, if I take chances and it fails, I can give them as gifts. <sighs> One day, if I take chances and they fail, if it was my livelihood, it'd be a lot scarier to me. Yeah. So I I don't ever want to lose my parameters for chance taking and risk taking. And as of right now, the safest way to do that is that it's not my full business. But the 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 fuller answer is I don't know. I'm wondering about it. Oh my god! This is why we could talk for two hours. <laughs> yeah, right. I know that is such his like his explanation to you, and like asking somebody to wonder with you or to not know. That's about as romantic as it gets. It's also really good leadership. Yeah, if more leaders said that to the people that they lead or work with or govern, I think we'd be in a different place. I couldn't agree more. And I also think that Lee, from your perspective, where you put something out into the world that people began to expect from you. And 20 years later, when you maybe wanted to go a different direction and have a different something or other, and you have here and there, but your public is like, but wait, this is what you do. And you're like, but wait, it's 20 years later. Maybe that's not what I do. And talk to me about capes and tiaras. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's, and that's, I think something that you've touched on Aaron, that's a profound kind of innate knowledge. It's when you make art for yourself, you can do what you want. When you, when it becomes a business, there's an aspect to it where you have to you have to carve out time for you to do what you want. And it might not even be seen because the business part is, is the business part. But however, I know there's many people listening that have, don't necessarily have a job that they love or are at a certain point in time where, you know, maybe they love their job, but maybe it was an in-classroom teacher and they've had kids and they, they don't, want to go back to that. They want to make art their business. And there's ways to do that where you're still it's like, okay, so maybe I have to draw something for someone, but I'm still drawing or painting, you know, I'm still able to do that. So there's ways to, there's many places at which we find ourselves. And I think, again, I'm going to circle back to the collaboration part, the collaboration in the community that we find ourselves in are what can pull us along through those questions and open up our wonderment just a bit more. My goodness, you know, my relationship with Lee is one of my richest because I can't, those people around me that I can really say, this is what's going on or what's going on with you. And we can really go past the business and the, and the capes and tiaras and say like, here's how I feel. I mean, that's what we all need in life. And I just really appreciate the, where we all are with it, you know? Yeah. And I don't mean to, (laughs) I don't mean to like poo poo. There are, there are some versions of doing what you love for work that should not be avoided, you know, like that you must because the world requires it. And I feel like that's sort of what I fell into is like, there was a point at which it wasn't a choice to not do it. And did I have to make a lot more birthday cards than I wanted to? Yeah. But I also am very strict about the fact that if I think it needs to be said, I get to publish it. And that's my right for doing all of these, you know, all the birthday cards, you know, like if I get to keep this card and, you know, it doesn't always work. And I, but I throw my weight around where I can. And then you, you know, that for me, the trick has just been not being too precious about any of it and knowing that I'm the spring, I'm the well that it comes from, and I can 
put that thought, that idea, that condition, that story, most of its stories anyway, back in and compute it for something new. And that that's the, that's the only way it works. So there are certainly professional parts of the job when you have a job, that's what you do that you love and you have to just crank some of it out. But designing by committee is also, it's also its whole other thing. So you're right. And then there's also like, sometimes you have to do it because you have to do it. And um, then you just do the parts you don't like as professionally as you can. I'm open to that and actually kind of would love that like 10 years down the line, if I hit that tipping point and that's what, you know, that would be great. And I think it's, it would also be great. Like Margo, you talked about as circumstances change and life stages change. If I'm ever a parent, I would love to work for myself, right? If I'm ever right now, it's just me and my dog, like this is totally off topic, but I was in my bathtub eating pad thai completely undisturbed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, I was like, holy shit, two of my really close friends are having babies soon. And I would love that. I think sometime, maybe I'm not sure, but I know that I love this right now. And I think that's how I feel about every aspect. And I'm open to that wondering of what's next art business included as the other pieces of me evolve. Cause I think they do that together. So, um, a t- if I reach that tipping point that I can't not do it, like I would actually really love that, like to, to do, do that. Well, then it'll be the right time. And, you know, Lee and I both Lee just learned that I waited a little longer than she did to have my kiddo. I'm just shook the fact I've known Margo for like almost 20 years and 15, 16 years or something. And I just did the math and I'm like, what? No. Well, are you really? What? But we both embraced our work, our creative work and our careers for a, a long time or fully, I should say fully. And I was very fed by that. I always called that my kiddo, you know, and I, and I'm, lucky to have one. I wasn't sure that was going to be my path, but I, I was a full person before or many full persons. Yeah. Recommend it. Recommend it. I, I do. I really do. So tell me about your collaboration. What's happening that you do know about? I was going to say, until you like give into the, the inevitable current of your art, I will fully take advantage of collaborating <laughs> with you because it's so fun and you can just take it easy in your bathtub with some pad time. <laughs> Ideal. Well, since you had reached out, like you talked about that moment sitting up in the middle of the night and it was mostly in response to my correspondence series. But do you want to talk about what it was for you? And I can talk about what that series is. And then if you want to talk about. Yeah, talk about the series. So I have a, or I, I was in a big season of transition like this past April with just a few different moving parts in my own life. And I was like journaling all day, all the time. Like just that's kind of how I was processing it all. And I had a new series coming out and to announce the new series, I created a little painting of like a piece of like college lined notebook paper (laughs) and uh, like just a background. Like it was on a table with a tablecloth and a pencil. And there had been a, there were, then I wrote a little message about the series coming out. Like, Hey, just so you know, there's a series happening, but I fell in love with that one little painting that I made just to announce something. I was like, wait a minute. I think I could really 
tap into some of my own processing here by creating this series. So I like impromptu in a day and a half made like 12 of them and was like, okay, this is going to be fun. So I just made them all and then wrote things on them. And they were things that like, I think in the series I write that it's like me talking to myself, to God, to others, to words. I don't know if I can like really say, um, and it's called correspondence and it's, it's just all of this, these paintings of lined paper with messages on them. Um, love it. I've seen them. Yeah. I, I love them. They're very fun. They're very tongue in cheek. Um, but then Lee, would you like to take over? What, what drew you, you to those? Well, yeah. I mean, so for me, I'm a writer, right. And, um, I get to translate stories for a living and, and I usually have this constraint of making it punchy enough for a greeting card and applicable enough to literally anybody who might pick it up. And it also has to be sendable. And then also probably should be able to be made into a mug and a sticker, you know, like it's a lot of restriction and it made, it makes me business. Yeah. it, It was like, it makes me, I think, a better writer for it because I really have to get sexy with the words, but it's, I also love writing. I mean, God asked me to, I, I'm just trying to write this speech for this thing that I'm I signed up for that makes me want to throw up, but it's a 15 minute talk and I have to be the protagonist of the story. And I'm like, Nope. Can't do it. it. (laughs) I can't. I'm I'm sorry. I cannot do it. Um, it's too long. (laughs) I've like gotten used to writing in these little short, punchy, poetic bursts. And I thought, Oh my God, those are so, I just loved how they looked. I love the way she, she was writing in cursive on it was so fun. And I said, we should collaborate. First. I thought those would make great cards. And then secondly, I was like, I want to write the car and I want to do the writing. I want her to do the art because I couldn't do it better. And, you know, I love her style and I just, I don't DM'd her and I was like, we need to do something together. And my idea was to make, um, larger format prints. So like smaller posters for, to start. Cause it's cause I wanted to write longer mm-hmm. format. And so she made, I think there's 20 of them or there's like 15 or 20 and something like that and um sent them to me and my job has been to find the pieces of writing that I want to put on them and I'm using you know my sort of stamp look for that um but it has been so freeing because I'm going I'm literally just going back through journals and Instagram posts and things that I've written that I just am like, "Mm, that's delicious. I love that. Or that's exactly how I feel about something, but it is more than two sentences long. And I think that other people will, you know, I'm still putting it through the lens of like, would you hang this in your kitchen? Yeah. Or does it speak to somebody but me, but it's been so fun. And her work is just so, it's also very tactile. Like I have the physical hand painted things in my, also I'm terrified to screw it up. Like what if I spell something, you know, it's like, it's all very like in real time. Um, if you can cross it out, like you were at like an actual writing one. That would be cool. Um, I haven't done that. I had, I think I made it most of the way through without doing it, but, um, the thought was originally just like to make it easy. I'm going to send them back to Aaron. We're going to sell prints of them and she's going to sell the originals and we're just going to like make it super simple. But, um, I think, I think there's some really beautiful work in there and it's stuff. It's, 
like I looked at them today just to like to send a few pictures to Margaret and I'm like, I'm really proud of this. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I saw them before there were any words on them. <gasps> yeah. You saw those. Yeah. You know. Well, and it was fun for me, like handing over. So I'm not as picky about this when someone buys my art, it's like, okay, now it's in your home, but I'm like handing over something, not knowing what it will be like in the end. It's like handing your child over for someone else to raise it. Okay. Right. I guess. I don't yeah. know. I'm a mom. I just told you about the pad tie in the tub, but, um, <laughs> but like knowing Lee's ability to storytell and knowing that, like, as I've followed along her work over the past like decade for my, in my own life, but then also following her and having more of a relationship with her in the past year or two, knowing I could hand those over. It, it was almost like, oh yeah, of course, like you should this is, this is where you need to raise this child from here on out so that the, it's the best child it can be. It's, it, it wasn't even scary. Co-parenting. Yeah. It's like, I like I get asked to collaborate and I just, I'm like, no, it doesn't feel right. No. But with Lee, it, like, it was easy for me to be like, oh yeah, that's going to be some quality stuff. Like, we're, yeah. like whatever comes out of it. Like, I don't know what she's writing on them. I, I, I don't know, you know, but it's like, I trust her enough that that's going to be not only like visually stunning, but it's going to say something that is relatable and matters, which was my heart behind the correspondence series in the first place. Like they're kind of deeply personal, but they're also super, like, I think relatable. And I knew that that would be what Lee would do with them. Just the concept of taking something really personal and Lee, you know, your thoughts, you're good at putting those thoughts out there, but thinking about it in a way where, so you both, Erin, you, you started this project because you had been journaling and you were like, I'm going, I'm going to paint that. And Lee, you seeing that you thought like, I could collaborate in a way where I can get some of these word, longer words out. And I'm thinking to myself here, like, huh, I've got a lot swirling in my brain. What if I wrote it down and put it out there. You know, it's just, it's inspired. You guys inspired each other. You're inspiring others right now. It's, it's this interesting intersection between personal and sharing and, and creative and inspiring and motivated. And it's a good, like art chain mail. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause uh. we, that kind of connection is so valuable and our world needs it. And what I like about Lee's work and what I like about good writing, like we are in a world that is full, it's like information overload. Right. And I think like a culture of vulnerability is like so important and needed in a world that has sometimes been like emotionally stunted or in its ability to express. But I also think we're in a time where we're so inundated with a lot like we even sometimes put trigger warnings on things we're sharing because we're sharing really personal things publicly. And so it's like, where's that line between vulnerability for connection and emotional modesty to the point where it's like, these things are still sacred, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is yeah. that? Where's that line? And like, I trust Lee to walk that line with me in mm -hmm. hearing things that people are going to connect with in a world that can feel emotionally stunted, but in a way that's poignant en enough that they're not overwhelmed in a world full of too much information. You wrapped that up really well. Yeah. Well, wait, well done. Put a bow, put a bow right on that. Cause I think that's the thing, right? All of a sudden we're, we're encouraged to 
super share. And then it's, if you don't, what's wrong with you? And I, and I have been wanting to kind of share this, some of the work I'm doing, but then it's like, but wait a minute, I don't have to share all the things, but maybe if I share that I'm, I'm working on something, that's where the vulnerability and, and, or, or not even vulnerability, but it's like, oh, I have this in common with you, or you're doing something that I'm, and that's where you start to build just vulnerability is a word that there's many levels of it. And you don't have to like peel your skin back. You can just say, Hey, I'm shining a light here, you know? And I think that's the way you said that is it's because of exterior social pressures or whatever it is, where do you want to land? And, and it is creative chain mail. There you go. I love that. I think though too, like, I have always had sort of a deep cosmic knowing as much as anybody from the Midwest can. I want that on a t-shirt <laughs> through all the cheese <laughs> that I came here to remind us the way that it comes out in my brain all the time is I, I came here to tell us to that like that we belong to each other, to come back together. Like I came here to remind us to come back together and we we have you know, the pendulum swings. We yeah. we live apart from each other. We don't live in in communal housing unless you're Aaron, and <laughs> we don't live multi generational. You know, like we have everything bricked off in little monopoly houses now, and that's different for us. And so the pendulum is kind of all the way that way, and then we swing it back and we overshare because we crave what we all crave is to be alone together in a small space. <laughs> You know, like that resonates, you know, it's like, I want to, I want everyone to be here. I just don't necessarily want them all to be talking to me, you know, like that is my ideal situation. But I think culturally we crave that. And so when we hit on it and, and I know this from personal experience, my whole, I have like 20 years of data, right. On this, that when you share something that's true for you in general, <laughs> Like I, and, and that's been my work, the work of my life is to find like to translate the stories that are true and make them digestible generally. But when you share that some little light goes on, there's a ping here and there's a ping here. And these pings are like, ping, ping, you know, like I see this card in a store, you see this card in a store and it reminds you of your best friend from kindergarten. And so you buy this for her, even though you weren't going to send it, you weren't thinking about her, but you're thinking about her now. And now you send it to her and she, it's a ping, ping, ping all over the place. That positive feedback loop has made me so comfortable sharing Mm -hmm. that it has to be, you know, like it has to be right. Like I'm also an overshare, but I try to like undershare my oversharing. But the, the reality is, is that if you're struggling with it or if you're feeling it, somebody else's too. And going through what I've been going through the past month with the sort of, um, sort of the ADHD stuff, just hearing people say what they're going through and like recognizing that in myself, I'm so grateful to have heard it tears grateful. Like, thank God somebody took the time to make a podcast about that because I also feel like that. And I would have never known, and I wouldn't have known to ask that question. And I wouldn't have known to look for that thing. And I wouldn't have known that I felt like that. And that's what I feel like has been the greatest rewarding part about my work and what we're doing together. Aaron is that we're hopefully going to just do that for more people and say it and create it and write it and share it in a longer format. And it's like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Mm -hmm. I have some I have some like experience doing that. And when you get people that are like, oh my God, me too. Thank you so much. Even if it's like two people, 
that's yeah. more than it would have been if you hadn't said it. And for me, that's sort of what makes it worth doing. And that's two people saying it. I'm sure there's like thousands more feeling it when I, I also released a series this summer called crazy holy. And it's all about my experience with PTSD, which mm. like when I was diagnosed, I was 25 and it was in relation to something that had happened when I was 15 and, or 14. Um, I, I didn't share like what, right. I didn't share the big thing, but even sharing my diagnosis and sort of uncovering that was like a huge thing. I was so scared to put it out there. But I had it similarly to Yuli, like had people like thanking me and like, you're not alone in that. And like, you know, and I even just making awareness about PTSD, which I always thought was reserved for Vietnam War vets. Like I didn't know that it like meant this bigger thing. And I was like this 25 year old woman dealing with it. And I didn't understand why fully at the time. And I just think that like, there's so much power. The, the the sort of hold that it has over you is powerless when you name it. And then there's power in naming it and connection and, and naming it. And it's that not just creative chain mail, but emotional chain mail. I was talking about this yesterday, PTSD for me, trauma, because I I've been reserving in my mind trauma for big things, big, big things that happened to people that didn't happen to me, like abandonment or, you know, whatever all the things are. But then I learned yesterday a little T trauma where trauma is anything that changes then your perception of how you're going to move through that experience the next time. And you 100%. can't do it the way you humanly should be able to, because that thing happened to you. So I'm like, whoa, that is, it's weird to, it's for me, it's like, do I, does, do I get, to, do I get to play? Do I get to own that? You know? And, and then when you realize you, whatever it is, like you said, calling it by something, calling it a name, it's like, oh, I get to name that and I get to deal with it and I get to take it out of its box and toss it, you know, or, you know, without, not without some work being done, but it's really interesting. And, and I'm so excited that you two are so honest and upfront about it and raw about these things. And I like, do you want to share any of your writing yet? Like where, where are we going to, we, when do we get to see it? Um, well, I sent you two. I know you did. And I'm very happy about that, but do other people get to know about it? Well, yeah. I mean, it, I think the impact is really when you see them, but. And we, we will see, they'll be on social. Yeah. And I'll send better pictures for social, but. And I'm just looking at my phone and seeing them for the first time. <gasps> and these are, I mean, I do a lot of, my church is, is outside. And so I do a lot of sort of my best work when I write about God, which is for me, the natural world. And I wrote one of them says, I do not think we, that we discover the wild so much as we reveal the part of us that never got tame. I'm not going to want to sell these. <laughs> I was going to say, you need to pick one. And then this is actually one I wrote about. I wrote on Vashon. This one says, the sooner we understand how big the world is and how small we are in it, the sooner we learn to marvel, the sooner we learn to marvel, the better everything gets. And that was like traveling with my kids is one of the things that I think is like my greatest accomplishment slash pleasure slash joy and my highest priority. And we came to fashion this year or last year, I guess. And they got to sit on the ferry and see a whole different place. And it was really fun. But yeah, so th there's, there's those. And then there's other ones about other things, but 
But it's calling out those moments that are not the ones where you've paid a ton of money for or, you know, worked for 17 years to achieve. It's the quiet moments where you are, you can reflect and say, this is why I'm here. This is worth it. This is why I did this today. This is why I paused. This is why I called you. And they're so relatable. And I'm very excited about this. Thank you. Yeah, it's really, I mean, we've always said we make cards for people on that occasions, but this is really taking that to sort of the next level. It's all about the the sort of the the reflection on sort of what we're doing here and why we do it together. And I think it's a great, like a really nice tie-in to doing this art with somebody else. Oh, gosh, you guys are both writers for the, the love of writing. Good heavens. It's so so good. Well, you know what? This is why I don't come to an episode with a prescribed plan because this is an example of exactly my favorite kind of conversation. Real, honest, just, you know, unveiling and thank you. Okay. I am going to want to ask Aaron though, who's inspiring you. Oh my gosh. Honestly, not to sound trite, but my, my students. So the, um, you mean creatively, right? Or, you know, whatever. Could be whatever. In some, the program that I work for at Hope College is really young. And essentially, it's like students who are brought on campus with a fully funded tuition experience from all over the world who have entered into sort of like a giving covenant of like, when I graduate, because I'll be debt free, I want to lead a life of impact uh, by, by being generous. And they've committed to giving back with no percentage or dollar amount attached to it. But this idea that hopefully that could be a sustainable model for higher education, particularly private, small liberal arts schools, which frankly, financially will be irrelevant in 50 years if we don't come up with a model for this. But every single January, so there's only been two cohorts, but we do this real, this beautiful reflective activity with them, a kind of linking their application process to the end of the program, their current growth as a student, and then their future impact. And they, I do an art history lesson about the history of plants in art history and sort of the meaning of plants across cultures. And they do, they, they identify a plant that sort of means something to them. And then they do a carving and they, they have these stamps and they're just like stunning. Like the things that they've come up with and the reasons why, and some of them like, because it's part of their home culture, we have 11 different countries and 15 different U S states represented in the cohort of 58 in this like predominantly white town (laughs) in West Michigan. Um, So, so they're also a huge asset to the college just what they're bringing in terms of teaching us about generosity, community, and accessibility. And I'm working on printing all of these and reprinting them because we actually have, I mean, I'm sure by the time this airs, this will be public news, but we have something called the Catalyst Summit and Malcolm Gladwell is coming to learn about our students in this, these cohorts, um, because he's super fascinated by it. So I'm, I'm curating this big exhibit right now of their work and sort of trying to like tell the student story to engage um, support and and frankly donors um, and people to come alongside as we continue to pilot the program well. Um, but I've been like physically printmaking and then we've been enlarging some of their prints and going over their artist statements. And it's like how we can tell the story while keeping their identities anonymous, which is a part of the deal. And I'm just like floored by them. I'm floored by the things that they notice. I'm like sitting here block printing every night 
getting ready and like crying. So honestly, my students, both creatively and emotionally, they want to lead generous lives. It's one of the most hopeful jobs in the entire world because you're, you're witnessing the goodwill of others to make this possible. And then you're like banking on their future goodwill for this to work. And it is the loveliest thing. And they are world changers and shakers and movers. And I am pumped for when they graduate and what they're going to do in the world. So that was a long winded answer, but I like, aside, you love your job. Yeah. Aside from art, I really love raising up these future leaders and watching them take ownership of who they are and how they navigate the world. It is like the most freaking rewarding thing that I can, I'm like getting teary thinking about it, that I like, it doesn't, it's just really humbling. I don't believe, I can't believe most days that I get to do it. So. Oh, Aaron, what a beautiful opportunity. And you are the right person to be doing this. Thank you. Is there a place that people will be able to view that their pieces online? It's a, the thing is the, the event that they're going to be a part of, like the catalyst summit has been made public that he's coming too, um, here at hope, but the show is private, but honestly, we're working on ways to be able to reshow it. Um, if you go to my personal Instagram, I've like shown some, some of their prints. Like I literally just posted today because we were printing some of their stuff. And then there's an article from last year, uh, that the college put out about the project itself, the printing project. The, I guess my answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try to make sure that the world can see their work because I think it it would help garner support for the program because those stories matter. Make it a book. Make it a book. You know, there's like seven book publishers listening to this podcast right now. So just. There's a lot of people that want to buy it listening to this podcast. Yeah. Right <laughs> Ruse, I said it earlier to Margot, goes in a circle on the keyboard. D. <laughs> at hope.edu. I'm setting myself up for like, maybe if I get any like foot fetishists or anything weird, please don't reach out to me. But if you have questions about literally anything related to my work or hope forward, just email me. Tell us your website and your Instagram too. Yeah. My website is erindrewsart.com. And then my Instagram is drews underscore Barrymore. Lee, dearest, where can we find you? Um, Picking up your kids at the bus. Yeah. You can find me not in my bathtub eating pad thai. Um, That sounds like such a good idea. I am at curlygirldesign.com is my business. And on Instagram, I am at curlygirldesign or where I'm at Lee, L-E-I-G-H dot Stanley, S-T-A-N-D-L-E-Y. That's it. Thank you. Thank you both. These are the kind of conversations. This is why, this is why we do what we do. Thank you so much. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.